Welcome to Love What You Do, Do What You Love podcast. I'm Celeste Wong, aka The Girl in the Cafe. I'm a cafe barista, actress, hospitality specialist turned coffee, travel and lifestyle entrepreneur. Over the years, over the counter, I've been inspired by thousands of successful, passionate and courageous people who love what they do and do what they love. In each episode, I'll bring you an inspiring person or message to help you create a life of independence and abundance, doing what you love and loving what you do. Let's get into it. Hi guys, this is a new addition to the Love What You Do podcast. The next few episodes are live coffee conversations with amazing, inspiring people that I've had on Lucifonica Radio in Portugal. They were so insightful and interesting, I thought they were perfect to share here with you on the Love What You Do podcast because all of these people love what they do, but also have inspiring journeys to share. My guests had to choose songs based on my four questions, which informed very interesting conversations. For rights reasons, they've been taken out, but you can link to the playlist in the caption or website. It's been a hot minute, but I hope you'll enjoy these new episodes. Let's get into it. Today, we are going to start with a guest who is none other than Vanessa Ford, who is the executive producer of the series and a COO of the female-led company, Kakua, I hope I'm saying that right, and the Super Soma series, Super Sema? Super Sema. Super Sema series, uh, which I'm actually going to let Vanessa tell us more about that. Uh, Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I Thank can now you turn so around and, and see, look at your face. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so good to have you here. I know. It's really exciting to be here. And I'm so excited to chat to you about all of the things I'm, I've been up to. Okay. So all of those things, you, you, are so, you are so many things or you have done so many things. So I'd really love you to explain. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about Super Sema because it's incredible. But also, I want to know a little bit how, about how you came to this like space. Okay, so rewind. I'll start at the very beginning. Okay. So I am a product of two Jamaicans who moved to uh, Canada. Okay. And so I was born in Canada and raised there, but in a household that was full of Jamaicanness. So lots of island, lots of folklore, lots of stories, lots of African mythology. Um, and then I grew, as I was growing up, I did a little bit of modeling. I moved to New York for a brief moment. Um, then I went to study in the UK. And from there, I, I, what I was studying was infectious diseases and specifically uh, HIV AIDS. And that brought me to Africa. And I had this fascination with, you know, uh, with the continent and also how I can make change. And so initially it was through, through, helping people and, and saving lives through HIV. And actually it totally switched because even though I, I focused on that initially, I was really, I wanted to do something on a larger scale. Um, and so- Larger, wow, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I lived in South Africa and Swaziland and Lesotho and was working on all these smaller projects, but filming everything as I went. And then I had this opportunity to be an assistant producer with the children of Bob Marley to go around South Africa on Ducati bikes during the World Cup and preaching this message of 
a United States of Africa? Like, what if Africa was united? And that opportunity just wow. made me think, wow, storytelling is, is where you can have the biggest effect, you know? Yeah. Like, I could, I could change people's lives individually if I was a doctor, but what I could do is telling these stories and inspiring people and showing people another way of life. And so that's what really bit, got me hitched on the idea of making films and being involved in content creation and yeah. being some, a part of something bigger. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I went to, you know, so, with Rohan and, and uh, Robbie and Ziggy on these Ducati bikes across South Africa. Were you we scared? A bit. Were you driving them or were you no, holding on? I was in the back. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was such an incredible experience because we met so many amazing people from all walks of life. We were in Soweto. We did a free concert for nearly half a million people showed up that day and it was also just important for me to see that as a Jamaican that there is such a strong connection to Africa so I know we all know the ancestral colonial history but even more so there's a lot of cohesiveness and I think in South Africa specifically they look at Jamaicans as if we're just cousins you know we're all part of the same space and and so that must yeah, have been it, nice. was, it was really special and so then I, I kind of veered off my path and decided okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna save the world as a doctor but I'm gonna tell these stories and and that's when I went to work at a bunch of Hollywood studios yeah um, I got to be a part of how making... did you get into Hollywood just sorry to interrupt because it's it's a difficult well, you hear everywhere that Hollywood's so difficult and it takes such a long time. But as you can probably, if you're watching this on Lucifonica, you'll see she's super youthful and beautiful. And how, like, you know, you've, you're so well-traveled. Um, yeah, how did that transition from where you were in that situation? Because I'm, what year was that when you went to Africa? Um, 2010. Okay. And so. then and then you went to... Ooh, Um, Then you went to um, Hollywood. How was that transition and what was kind of like going through your mind at that time? Yeah, I think, I I mean, I I really had an all or nothing approach. I had student loans to pay. I knew like if I had a certain amount of time to see if I could make it. Um, And so I started meeting people in the industry and, and just through a bunch of kind of serendipitous events, one of the people I met was the wife of one of the biggest producers at the time and so can we say who that is mm. okay no <laughs> very very big we've met uh, before so we know <laughs> so, okay yeah um, and 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 ironically was looking for someone to be their chief of staff and start up a, a, an office in the UK in London where I was kind of based yeah um and so it was just this kind of all the stars aligning and also I think it was because I came from this other you know I wasn't a film a phobe I didn't go to film school I didn't you know check all those boxes and so I came with like a totally different brain like I was more analytical I understood the way I was looking at film and the way I was analyzing it was from a different perspective it wasn't just all emotions and creativity I was also looking Mm -hmm. at it 
um, mm -hmm. from a numbers perspective and looking at the industry as a whole. Ah, and I think I remember like I remember way. the producer just saying like Vanessa, like I'm I'm so grateful that you didn't come from you know the New Woo York film school. Like something about actually being able to mold me into the that ethos of of kind of underground cinema and, and understanding the the bigger waves and trends was more somehow kind of worked to my benefit. That's <laughs> and great. So, and so when I landed the job, it was sink or swim. I also had a my son when I was really young, just as I graduated uni. Wow. So I also had a little boy to take care of. And I was like, I, you know, if I, I'm going to make it, then I have to do it now. Yep. And so I do think that pressure and that, and that uh, just, you know, just this kind of, do or dare kind of mentality really allowed me to spread my wings and find my way. It's almost as if like it was a bit of an acceleration and also something that you said um, earlier, like you only knew you had a set amount of time to do it, which I think is really interesting because the concept of like going for it as if you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, you know how people say, you know, we don't know whether we're going to, walk around the corner and get kind of hit by a bus it makes people feel like you got to live every day to the fullest right exactly and it's almost as if you get you've given yourself you know a little you know this good pressure to like go for it and do it as if you know you know, your well, yeah, your life, life depends depend on, depended totally. on it, right? And another life depended on it, a exactly. small baby. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it was hard. I had my son with my family in Canada. Yeah. I was traveling in uh, LA and London and kind of going in between. And, you know, I really went from just Oxford University and, and, and like on my computer at home to then kind of in Cannes on Quentin Tarantino's yacht and, and going to the Oscars and film festivals and it was really kind of from zero to a hundred and so of course it was an extraordinary experience mm. but I also think not everyone could have made that leap no. because in that period there was a lot of sacrifices and you know there was a paycheck that was halved and you know there yeah. was a lot of risks that were taken and 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 not everyone would have done that. And, no. you know, when I look back, I I see how everything worked out. But at the time, there was many decisions I had to make that I questioned. You know, is it the right thing to uh, that for my six-month-old son to be with my mom and not with me, for example? Yeah. Um, and being away for, for months on end. Um, and I'm very happy that I made those decisions. But they're hard decisions to make, especially as a first time mom and yeah. and being on my own so I think I was it was really brave but you know in life how you sometimes mm -hmm. understand things in in retrospect so yeah. you kind of start seeing at the end of when you're here now in your place you can kind of see oh wow eight years ago this is why that happened and if I didn't yeah. make that decision you know my life would be totally different so I'm I really wish we grateful. could see things a bit more in hindsight in the moment sometimes <laughs> right it would be it would be great um yeah you do seem there's a certain kind of serenity about you I wondered whether that's you know and you, you mentioned before that you know the stars aligned and stuff but then at the same time being very aware of the difficult decisions you've had to make during those high stress times right yeah. so would you call your would you say that you're 
like what what are your beliefs in terms of just life like is it linear or is it circular or it's is this is that yeah how are you generally because that is so much to take on as a as a young person I can't even like listening to you now I'm like whoa I can't even (laughs) sometimes make a very simple decision in my cushy life at the moment (laughs) and I don't have children (laughs) no I think um you know that's a big question but I think there is a connectedness to everything and there's like a universality and and a oneness and I think a lot of the decisions that I made that were people would think are quite brave I thought were necessary because I knew that they were all connected I knew that Mm -hmm. if I if I made it in an industry that I was excited about and I was able to tell stories that I really was motivated to tell then Mm -hmm. that would then impact on myself as a mother and how I can and my relationship with my son and 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 I realized that it was all connected that you know my happiness um, in my work and and my life purpose was so important and integral to who I was going to be throughout and so I think that for your family for my family for my relationships for Mm. um, my spiritual side so I think I just I knew that I had to explore Mm. that and of course I had a a bit of a safety net in the sense that I had supportive um, family members you know who were there always to help me but I think it was much more about really understanding that you have one life and you have to as you said live live it like carpe diem the shit out of it (laughs) hey so let's just get into the the first song because i'm i'm keen to share that with well keen for you to share that with everybody um why so my first question to all my guests is what is the perfect song to drink usually a coffee too but i don't really want to tell everybody that you're into (coughs) tea (laughs) but so we'll just say that today uh what is your what would be the perfect song to drink your morning beverage to (laughs) the perfect song in my magical bliss in the morning is i can see clearly now by jimmy cliff and Um, why have you chosen that i mean there's everything about this song it's the lyrics it's the it's the beauty of the the melody but it just for me reminds me of when i'm when I'm home in Jamaica and I am lit and I can sit down and just relax and be and not have and also just the hope of a brighter tomorrow so the the light at the end of every tunnel and I think when you're dr- sitting and drinking a coffee there's always something very pensive about yeah. that moment you're not on your phone you're just in it and thinking and and living and enjoying that moment so this song just does it for me. Amazing. Let's hear that right now. It's I Can See Clearly Now by Jimmy Cliff. All right. That was I Can See Clearly Now by Jimmy Cliff from the album We Are All One, The Best of Jimmy Cliff. Originally written and released by Johnny Nash, actually, in 1972, and then recorded by Jimmy Cliff for the motion picture soundtrack, which is very appropriate, um, because we're talking about films in, in Hollywood, of Cool Runnings that peaked at number 18 on the US Billboard Hot 100 in 1993. Um. 
So actually, we were talking in the break uh, during the song, we were talking about, um, you know, not knowing what's coming around the corner and when you're going through something difficult in your life, like to sort of hold on to the belief or have the faith that, you know, it's going to get better, the pain is going to fade, things are happening for a reason, stars are aligning, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, speaking of challenges, my second my second question to my guests is, uh, what is the song that represents or reminds you of the most challenging time in your life? And I'm not sure if we've maybe covered that a little bit but if we have like be great to sort of go a little bit deeper um so yeah i think the song is uh no woman no cry by bob marley and a lot of people think uh, or interpret it as a song about if you don't have a woman in your life there's no tears like Uh, literally but but in patwa no woman no cry like when you speak patwa it, it actually means um don't cry woman you know you are strong like it's saying uh, no woman don't cry no cry so and, and we would say uh, no woman no cry you know it's all I right mean, yeah <laughs> okay and i think um and so a lot of people don't really understand the lyrics to it but it it brings me back to it's about being a strong woman and i guess in my life i've had you know, my mom was a single mom and I grew up watching her work three jobs and trying to put food on the table for my sister and I. I spent many summers in Jamaica with my grandparents and and in most Jamaican households, the the woman is kind of the the matriarch. They are the strong ones. They are the ones who are also working and bringing in the money. They're the ones who can fix anything and put food on the table while, you know, waking up at four in the morning and cleaning the whole house. Um, so it's the song for me represents the, the strength of a woman. And mm. I, I think when I was going through being a, a young mom um, on my own, mm. I think there was definitely this song got me through because some days when it felt like, you know, I wasn't sure if I was making the right choices mm. or I wasn't sure if. I didn't know what life had in store for me. I think this song really just reminded me of the beauty and humility of of women, our our feminine nature and how that actually is our superpower. Yeah. (laughs) And also just um, that you always, you always keep going. You know, there's, there's, it's not about just that there's people that are worst off. It's also about you just, you don't, you, you can cry, but wipe those tears and it's okay to be vulnerable, but still stand up mm. at the end of the day and, and fight the good fight. You know, do what is right for you. And I guess I've always lived by a more strong moral compass. A lot of the decisions I've made, some of which have not been always the right ones, but they have been right because they've, I've, I've always stuck by that, uh, my values and, and that strong sense of morality. If you find yourself going through a challenge specifically, is there like some kind of conscious process that you go through that maybe other people might be able to take on board in a way? Like, do you become aware of it and then go, okay, and stop? Or or is your sort of awareness of your values just so sort of like natural and innate that you just you're able to kind of free flow because I'm, I'm just trying to, because mm. I'm just wondering and I don't know if there's even, you don't even have to have an answer to that, but I just wondered if um, it's kind of like, what's the thought process 
that you go through when you tackle something, whether it's personal or in work, you know, because yeah. I'm sure you get a lot of challenges at work. <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound, I mean, I literally get down on my knees and pray. Really? <laughs> so I do have, I definitely have a, a strong faith and it is not tied to a specific religion, but okay. I do have a very strong kind of spiritual, spirituality side to me. And I'm really focused on, on building that, especially since moving to Portugal and yeah. kind of leaving a very different life that I was le leading in London of yeah. kind of the glitz and the glamour and the fast life and coming here. I think there's something very spiritual about nature. I think there's mm -hmm. something very spiritual about um, just finding that quiet space in your mind and, and, and speaking it, you know, and I think there's something very spiritual also about gratitude. So there's, for me, I'm, I'm always thinking and about what can I be grateful for? So despite focusing on, on this problem, how can I find a solution for that? And also how can I, what are all the things that I'm grateful for? And I think once you start looking mm. at life from this attitude of gratitude, <laughs> pardon yeah. the pun, um, I think it really, it makes everything a little bit easier. You know, I'm yeah. not saying that it just shoves things under the carpet, but I think it definitely makes the tough times a little bit easier. It, it makes it easier to put the next foot down. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. Let's um, let's listen to your your most well the song that uh, reminds you of the most challenging times, but it's kind of in a in a really positive way. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Which that's is what totally it should about, do. Yeah. <laughs> No Woman, No Cry by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Thank you. Sorry about that. Here we go. And that was Vanessa's song that reminded her of, um, you know, of challenges. And um, that was No Woman, No Cry, sorry, from Bob Marley and the Wailers, which we were kind of discussing whether that was the right version. And I, I'm, <laughs> I have to apologize there, version, I think. But I think it's, it's like a more upbeat, cooler, yes. modern version. So this was, um, that song was actually released as a single from his uh, album Live. And I don't think this was obviously the specific song that was recorded in London in 1975. But... Um, Something interesting that I found out that this was like a particular breakthrough for, for Mali and the Whalers um, outside of Jamaica because there was like a general sort of lack of appreciation for reggae. I mean, I think there still is um, to, to a lot of, uh, to, to an extent. And um, I read that he had polished, in the quotation, he'd polished and tightened his sound for the tour where slick because slick acts were popular at the time and for some reason like when I read this it kind of made me think of like people having to change themselves to be accepted for the masses and you know what that means you know about integrity or is that just part of the process and growth and I just kind of wondered like as a minority both of us like how you how this sort of sits with you that idea mm. um you know, with the experiences in, in life and like, can you relate? Yeah, totally. I think like I've had to, I've had to wear many hats and I've had to try to make myself fit into something that I, that I may not 
necessarily fit into. And I've been in a lot of spaces where I'm kind of the only black woman in the room and at that table. And so just understanding how, you know, I remember going to a, a interview and straightening my hair, you know, thinking, mm. oh, well, I'll look more presentable then. Or I've had experiences where, you know, people drop little microaggressions and definitely has felt like, uh, and of course, through that time, I, I've had to morph and, and, and adapt and be a chameleon you know mm. change accents change my hair you yeah. know wear it out naturally when I'm at home but as soon as I go you know on set uh, it's all kind of slicked back and and slicking back those curls slicks back your roots you know literally literally wow um, yeah. and so uh and then even in the modeling world of course, there was other, there was many black women, but but not many, and not not in comparison to um, the other. And so I just I remember, you know, them putting on makeup and making my, you know, putting on makeup that made me look lighter, mm-hmm. or um, and and so I can totally relate to that. And I also relate to now as I've gotten a bit older and more comfortable in my own skin, how I how my superpower is my difference. You know, the things that make me different is actually what makes me interesting. And my big Afro that everyone always comments on is actually the thing that, you know, brings me so much royalty and queenness. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, some of those things that I thought I had to hide were actually the things that I should be, you know, showing more to the world. This other kind of more sensitive vulnerable side to me I was always kind of very focused on just being the strong independent woman and you know not speaking about uh, some of the things that I've been through but actually that vulnerability of like being like no this is me and 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 I am here Mm -hmm. and you see me and I'm showing you who I am is actually much more brave than the person standing there, 100%. you know, with all their accolades and, and, that, that mask. and the mask and wearing the mask. Yeah. So and hiding. So, yeah. And hiding. Yeah. But, you know, it does take a long time for people to sort of get to that point. And I don't think everybody does. That's like, sadly, get to that point of kind of self-awareness and like the realization that it's actually okay to be all these things that you know you're shameful about or you were led to believe at some point was wrong was or wrong. or like what society tells to... you totally you know like... it starts very young too it starts when you're two years old mm. and you're opening up a storybook and you never see uh, anyone that looks like you you turn on the tv yeah. and you never see a character in a main role that has your color skin or your hair um, or you walk down a hall and you never see, or you never have a teacher that looks like you. You know, of course, it's important to have strong role models in the household, but mm. I think it's also the all the things that you're told outside. from from the very beginning outside yeah. that are not told to you directly but subtly. You know, yeah. and I think um, all of this creates this idea in your head of who you are and what you should be or what you need to be in order to fit in and what I've realized is that idea needs to is bullshit (laughs) you know and that actually right now the the power is to 
you know, the true power. And when I see women who have risen to the top and in all their beauty and gregariousness and, you know, sensuality and uniqueness mm. is the ones who have just really said, you know, forget, forget that society's forget idea. Let exactly. me be who I am and let me be vulnerable in that. It, you've got three children. <laughs> three I children. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, so... On that note, you know, is there anything that you're doing specifically? Um, well, I know that there is, but to enforce that or to sort of change that narrative or like, yeah. Definitely. I mean, that is part of the reason why I was a part of creating this series, Super Sema. So I really wanted for them to turn on the TV or open a book or play with toys that looked like them and where yeah. they could be the hero in that story. And so we hadn't, we hadn't um, sort of explained what Super Sema was like in the beginning, but it's an animation series, right, with all African superheroes. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. On well, YouTube an, originals, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's available on YouTube for free. It's a YouTube original, so they're a partner. Yeah. Um, but it's the first African kids superhero animated series, and it has a 12-year-old African girl named Sema who uses STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Gee, sounds to, like someone I know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> to fight, like, the evil AI robot who's taking over her her afrofuturistic village um, but i think the main point of that is that she doesn't have superpowers she uses her mind and yeah. that is that i think i love because it's not about being mythical or you know having a special wand it's like you all have the power within you um to do this and and to to make the world a big a better place and i think setting it in africa with african characters it's very real because you go to africa now you go to kenya um, that's where our headquarters are and you see that it is a continent that is thriving you know it's so industrious people are entrepreneurs they're they're making things they're doing things they're inventing things so rapidly and I also wanted to change that narrative and leave the, the Western narrative of poverty and corruption and actually focus on what the continent of Africa is, which is wow. a continent of beauty, of immense pride, and of immense ingenuity. And so I wanted the next generation of kids to really know that and appreciate that. And it's amazing because I've had kids from Australia message us and say, wow, my daughter wants to go to Africa because she's watched your series or we've had Amazing. kids and we've had kids in, in the U.S. from African-American ancestry who's like oh my daughter doesn't want to straighten her hair anymore because she wants to wear her hair big like super sema and oh, wow. all of those things just really makes you un understand that how those small things that we spoke about can really this it can change people's children's lives and you can see for the first time you know that their their son or daughter wants to be a scientist or an yeah. astronaut or you know not just a basketball player or yeah. what society shows us is the typical roles of of uh of the what people with our skin color could do or can you know so i think this really has opened up uh, a whole new world for both children but also a narrative for parents and us yeah. and understanding like how are we're gonna you know, affect change and how are we going to 
give an opportunity for today's generation to, mm. to fight not just representation and discrimination, but also um, tackle some of like the world's biggest problems. Mm-hmm. So I know that sounds a bit like grand, but you know, Sama and all of her shows is, is like replanting a, a forest or, you know, tackling right. climate change. Yeah. And so, and she's using Make, like making invent- children sort of aware of these very adult issues but well that's what we think but actually kids are very aware of these issues Mm, now and mm -hmm. you know my three-year-old goes on the beach and is picking up the plastic and you know she knows that and not just because we talk about it at home but it is all around us and so I think we we underestimate kids and what they can do but when you see Greta Thunberg like revolutionizing government (laughs) policies you can you understand that planting these seeds is, is really important and also, yeah, and giving children power because, you know, so often children are kind of in the bed, you know, in the old days. Yeah, you be know, quiet. Be quiet, push to the side push kind of thing. Side. So getting on to song three, because uh, we're, you know, I love that was in, that's in line with uh, this next question of happy times. <laughs> what my next question is, what is the song that represents uh or reminds you of your most victorious or happy times? Uh, the song that reminds me of my happy days is definitely Toast by Coffee. And Coffee is a young Jamaican singer. Mm-hmm. I've had all the Jamaican singers I love so it. far. But, um, but really, you know, she's 18 years old. Yeah. She came from, like, the ghetto in Kingston and... This song is all about uh, gratitude and thankfulness and toasting the world, you know. And I think for me, when I heard this song and when I first moved to Portugal, it's the song that really just made me so grateful for life. (laughs) Here we have it. Let's listen to it. It's Toast by Coffee with a K. That is a cool song. (laughs) (laughs) I know many of you will not understand the lyrics, but I think if you, if it were to be much slower, you would hear the most important thing is, you know, I thank God for the journey, the earnings, and just for the plus, meaning just like everything in life and also the smallest things and the biggest things. It's very much a... And for an 18-year-old girl who's gone through all of that to, to sing a song like that, you must know that they've they have a strong kind of moral background. They have a strong faith and just just an incredible amount of strength to sing a song like that and totally. carry it through. Such a, I, I actually watched the um, the YouTube video yesterday and um, the, the lyrics came up. And I, I know we'd been talking and you were like, yeah, the lyrics are so great. And I was like, yeah. And I was like bouncing along to it. You know, I was kind of popping in at like well, 11 <laughs> o'clock at night or whatever. And then I was like... the lyrics I was like I don't even understand the lyrics and I had to so this is actually that was Toast by Coffee with a K from her EP Rapture I just want to say that so that anybody who wants to look that up can um, can do so she also Um, won a Grammy for the new oh you're taking away all my tidbits (laughs) but of course I had to play Coffee on the Girl with the Coffee (laughs) podcast so you know totally yeah no she did win a Grammy at like yeah, like you said, 18. At 17. 17. 16 or 17, yeah. Yeah, so it's crazy because she was the first female artist to actually take home a, a Grammy um, for 
baked reggae. reggae. Yeah. Yeah. Which Crazy. we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about how it goes largely unappreciated and and sort of the western part of the world at least. Yeah. Um. And but yeah, you- and actually I had to look up what toasting meant. Ah. Yeah, because I was like, what is toast? Um. And toasting is like chatting or like rapping other parts of um, the Anglo-Caribbean or DJing as the act of talking or chanting. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) And yeah, she just had a really cool, I don't know, vibe and attitude about her. Like I was thinking, God, she's so young and there are so many teenagers, you know, you see going through all these tough times and like these guys are just happy and just grateful for for life and even though I don't what it made me realize is that even though I didn't understand some of the the words that they were singing what's amazing about music is that you can feel it transcends the the lyrics kind of transcend of course because you can feel it right you can feel the happiness from the song which I thought was really cool so yeah and if you look at the visuals some of the visuals are from you know, Trenchtown in Kingston, which is considered like the ghetto rough, in Jamaica yeah. and quite rough. Uh, but um, there's just a lot of hope and, and happiness and humanity. And I think Jamaicans yeah. in general are very proud people. So it was a lot about, you know, being proud of who you are and, and be yourself and be real and be grateful. <laughs> I, I loved it. It was really great. Um, now... Getting onto the fourth song because I'm I'm always taking everybody over time because we're having <laughs> such great chats. Now you've you've recently moved to Portugal. Why why did you decide to move from to Portugal from London? Right? Yeah, so we were living in with in, your family in like Notting Hill, central London, concrete jungle, still a little village, but. Yeah. I think after having the third baby and it felt like the walls were caving in. Like, I also felt like I was outgrowing London. You know, I, I think I got fast forwarded. How long had you been there for? I'd been there for London specifically for eight years. Wow. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think I was just, I got fast forwarded into the world uh, very quickly of kind of, the the Soho houses and kind of these cool art galleries and getting the special invitations and yeah. after a while you know those things that you seem like you're chasing initially like you know they get so boring <laughs> so all the dinners and the galas and you know and I think the moment that it really hit me was when my five-year-old came home from school and was like mommy I want you know PT classes for my tennis and I'm like oh. how does my five-year-old understand that there's private, you know, personal training training. tennis classes. Um, So I just realized, like, this is not the environment I was raised in. This is not how I want my kids to be raised. Um, And I wanted them to have a stronger connection to to nature. And I really was desperate for the sun and the sea, my little bit of Jamaica in me. So Portugal just ticked all the boxes. And at the end of the day, I guess I also thought, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I can always go back. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people with young kids are afraid to make that move because they think it's it's a big change and it's adapting and we have to change our whole lives. Mm. But I think when you consider worst case scenario, 
you know, for them, it will always be an adventure, an incredible life experience, even if you stay a year or two. Yeah. Um, and and for me, I always knew that there was always going to be an opportunity if, if it doesn't work out to go somewhere else. So I guess that's how I've always approached all parts of my life. I just yeah. feel like go I'm going to take the risk. But if it doesn't work out, then you have to pivot and change yeah. and or reinvent yourself. Yeah. You know, I've done like six, five, six careers. <laughs> yeah. So. And I mean, and that in itself is really brave because a lot of people find it hard to change careers just once, yeah. let alone, you know, a number of times or the younger... even move. Like people don't like the idea of even moving country. I think it's just change in general. Yeah. I think people find change uncomfortable, yeah. um, which it is, but I think embracing the discomfort is actually that point growth, when you're right? unlocking the growth yeah. and you and and it takes you to the next level of understanding, the next level of life, living. Yeah. You but know. you have to kind of be aware of that. Otherwise, you're just feeling uncomfortable. Do you exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you can feel that you're uncomfortable, but also know that this is part of what's leading you to the next thing, whatever that might be, yeah. most likely positive. Um then that's able to carry you through but uh, yeah otherwise yeah you're just sit, sort of sitting in fear really exactly um, exactly and making decisions mm, based on that fear yeah would you ever consider like going back to jamaica or canada or london or la because that's <laughs> yeah I think anything is, a, I will never say no to anything, but I think yeah. definitely, I mean, Jamaica is definitely where I'll be back. You know, I have a, we have a place there. I have my fam, my oh, dad and yeah. my grandparents, my, my cousins. I'm going yeah. in a week to Jamaica. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, going amazing. for the holidays. But I mean, more so, I also want to do something bigger there. I want to tell yeah. some Jamaican stories. So yeah. now doing Super Sema has brought me to the motherland. I feel like oh, Africa is the birthplace of storytelling. Mm -hmm. But I think Jamaica is like the next space. You know, I think Jamaica is going to be, there's so much, so many stories to be told from there. I have a good friend, Storm Salter, who's a director who's telling some of those stories, but there's so much more and there's so incredible, such incredible talent there. Mm. And so I think my next spot after Portugal, you know, or, or between both will definitely be uh, something to do in Jamaica. Oh, wow. So you said <laughs> your dad's there and your grandparents? grandparents yeah, yeah my cousins mom? my in mom is in Canada, Canada but okay. she goes back and forth oh nice um but yeah my dad is there and and so we have a big family and and we're from a, a place called Treasure Beach which is a small little That's village <laughs> in in like right off the coast and uh and it's just a very special space and kind yeah. of everyone there knows everyone so you have you know you go there and you're yeah. like it's like coming back home you feel that yeah um but also you feel especially traveling the world and seeing all sorts of other things you know it's nice to go back there and bring some of that men newer mentality of like what can i do here to mm -hmm. you know change the community mm -hmm. how can i improve things mm -hmm. how can i not fix it but adjust you know making small adjustments to things that will 
will just help the community thrive or bring a spotlight to the community. Mm. Um, but Treasure Beach is very special and it's now growing and growing. I think, uh, um, who is it? Uh, Megan, uh, Megan oh, and, right. and uh, Harry. Uh, Prince Harry yeah. went there and all of a sudden now it's like the hottest place oh my to gosh. be. <laughs> it's becoming the Tulum of the Caribbean, but... Um, to me, it's still just my little hometown. <laughs> oh, it sounds amazing. So my last question to you with your last song is what song represents or reminds you of either Portugal or home? And like my guests are able to choose this. So what what song have you chosen? And does it remind you which like what home? Yeah. Portugal or home? <laughs> I think for me, home is more like where my heart is and where my family is. And so yeah. I think the song that reminds me most is Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby because it's a song that I used to play with my mom. Her and I oh. would drive down and she would roll down all the windows and we would sit and blast it on repeat with the tape, you know, and rewind and blast it. And that for me was like this moment of feeling so free, so happy. And like, despite, you know, only eating macaroni and cheese at home, in that car listening to this song, I felt so alive. Already at like eight and nine, I felt that. So that's why this song is so important to me. Well, here it is. Wishing well, and I hope you guys feel it too. <laughs> By Terence Trent Darby. Uh, we were just talking through that song about how amazing uh, Terence Trent Darby is. That is um, that was Wishing Well by Terence Trent, Dar Trent Darby, but which is actually his stage name. And that was from the 1987 album Introducing the Hardline, according to Terence Trent Darby. Uh, his name has actually been changed to Sananda Maitreya. Yeah. Um, he changed it in 2001 from his uh, birth name, Terence Trent Howard. Uh, and Darby was actually his stepfather's name. Um, but we were talking about how he went through a bit of a crisis and how amazing his music is and just, I don't know, like, yeah, reminiscing all of that with his songs. <laughs> like, ah. Oh. Um, but you guys don't, like, at the end of uh, every sort of um, show, I play you guys out to a song that I think is, you know, fitting, but also has the lyric coffee in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm having fun looking for songs with uh, the lyrics coffee in it. Very um, fun. Yeah, but before we go, thank you so much for coming in. It's been an absolute thank you so like, much pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been great to chat with you. But if um, people want to know more uh, about you or get in contact or, yeah, where, where can people go to find yeah, More so, I mean, my Instagram handle at tribe underscore Ford. Um, you can check out me living my my life, <laughs> the best life. The beautiful but the, family. The highlights. <laughs> um, but no, and then a, a little bit about my work. Go on supersema.com. And, um, and then I have a little clothing line that I'm working on. Oh, so nice. everyone should check out at Mini Monroe Official because that's going to be something that I'm really excited about. We're pre-launch, but yeah. soon we will be launching. And it's going to have these amazing jumpsuits that are great for after surf. 
and super in, in your sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah totally. I'm out, in some jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's My amazing. Vibe. Yeah. Very comfortable, be... luxurious with a touch of neon. <laughs> <laughs> you got me already in neon. Hello. Neon. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks also to um Cafe and radio station you can see this at lucifonica.com i think it's going to be up till about four o'clock today uh yeah until the next session is on um but otherwise i will be putting it up on my blog which is thegirlinthecafe.co.uk where you can find everything Uh, otherwise if you want to get in contact i'm at the girl in the cafe with all underscores in between each word uh on instagram so really Great to be here. Uh, really feel privileged to to be doing this with Lucifonica. Thank you so much, Pedro and the team. Um, and I'm going to be doing my last show for this year next Wednesday with someone else who is very special as well. So uh, stay tuned and just make sure that you keep up to date through uh, Lucifonica's uh, Instagram and mine. And we'll see you later. I'm going to send Vanessa off with Black Coffee by Sarah Vaughan. Ooh. But more subdued. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you were inspired or learned something or want to find out more, head over to thegirlinthecafe.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you'll be able to link to everything here at Love What You Do Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes because it helps this podcast's ranking so that more people can learn and enjoy the contents of the show. Have an awesome week, guys, and I'll be here with a coffee in hand to have more insightful conversations with my next inspiring guest.